0: buddy welcome to melrose sheltering in place i'm nan
1: and i'm christopher and we're here to talk to you about two episodes of melrose place because unfortunately we had some technical difficulties and uh episode eight is our lost episode um
0: this happens (laughs) on pretty much every diy podcast for sure um at least in my experience it's happened on more than one that I have worked on, mm-hmm. so um, yes, we Christopher and I hung out last Saturday uh, via the internet and talked for a little over an hour about episode eight um, of season one of Melrose Place, and honestly, we have decided that this is probably for the best, because <laughs> that episode is one of the worst episodes of television I think I've ever watched in my life. Yeah. Am I being hyperbolic? No, it's
1: pretty bad. Um, Like, you know, I looked over my um, outline, and I'm like, well, you know, what that proves is that I can talk about anything for an hour. But (laughs) But then I'm like, you know, I think we should just talk about it without the outline and give it, like, four or five minutes and then move on with our lives and on to episode nine, so...
0: Yeah, so the two main plots mm-hmm. of the episode were um, Sandy gets a part in a, in a sea horror film. No, that's right? that's the
1: week before. <laughs> this was the one where she got... Oh my god,
0: you're right! <laughs> no, this is the one where she gets in the relationship with Fisher from Roseanne, Yeah, and Fisher is a stalker. Okay, yeah, Sandy has a stalker, and nobody in her crew takes her seriously. And I think she's just not giving the guy enough of a chance. Meanwhile, he's being a real creepazoid Mm -hmm. and she doesn't like him, which is all that really matters when you're dating somebody or somebody trying to date somebody. It doesn't even matter if you don't like them for like silly reasons. That's part of your journey and you shouldn't try to make yourself date them. That's been my experience. Mm -hmm. It's just, it is what it is.
1: Yeah. Um, And all you need to know about that dude that dated her was that he worked in a nursery. And so he used the materials that he had available to him to be super creepy. Um, you know, he put a bunch of lily pads and stuff in the pool and then he broke into her apartment and filled, uh, her bedroom with, um, Rose petals. Um, I did want to mention that when he came on screen the first time, he was wearing head to toe denim. And the only reason that I'm mentioning that is because I made a really cool graphic of me and Nan wearing head to toe denim. <laughs>
0: that explains it. I was like, why did you make us into Justin and Brittany that time that they wore those denim outfits? Yeah. And now I totally get it. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. Yeah,
1: I take little bits of uh, graphic inspiration where I can find them. Because uh, <laughs> I was like, should I put our yes. f- Faces on flowers? I don't know what to do for this episode, but... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God.
0: No. I thought Denim was a good choice. So, yeah. So, the guy was uh, bad. He sucked. Um, And the way they handled all of it was weird because, like, none of our friends believed her. And then suddenly they kind of believed her. And then she confronted him. And, oh, there was this whole thing with Jake confronted him and punched his lights out. And then (laughs) Sandy went and confronted him and... He was, like, still pushy, and then all of a sudden he was like, okay. And then he was sorry. And And, um, Yeah, yeah,
1: Jake beat the hell out of him, and to thank him, Sandy spent the night and made him a huge breakfast the next morning, which she didn't eat any of herself because she said she's always on a diet, which does not uh, go along with her character from previous episodes uh, talking about her eating habits. Um, The B-plot was um, uh, Allison deciding that she should finally get rid of her pale blue Ford escort, which we find out she lost her virginity in the backseat of, and she <laughs> named it Betsy, which I just now made the joke Betsy Wetsy in my head. That's gross. Oh, no. Um uh an affordable harvey firestein worked at the lot and he made her a deal and she walked away because she didn't like how much they were offering for the trade-in they wanted to give her 300 and she thought it was worth at least 1200 but she quickly discovered that she was not going to be able to ethically sell it for that much Um, people who knew cars like an old lady um, did not want this car and The young, naive fast food worker who needed reliable transportation was ready to buy it. And that's when Allison's conscience kicked in. Um, But the whole thing turned out to be for nothing because somehow the money situation in the loan was more than they agreed to. Uh, They mentioned something about interest, which made no sense to me, unless they were outlining the entire amount of what the payments would add up to. I don't know. Anyway, she walked away from the deal. She still has Betsy. It was all for nothing. It was stupid.
0: <laughs> yeah, I we literally watched somebody shop for a car, which who cares? And like agonize over getting rid of their old car, which again, who cares? Yeah. And then at the end of all of it, we didn't even get to see her buy her, her Miata knockoff yeah. because we, because she made this like deep decision about like her history with this car. I don't know. It was really, really, really bad. And
1: now we have to probably see her shop for a car again at some other point, which I'm just not emotionally ready for <laughs> at all.
0: Well, like in this episode that we're about to talk about, she loans Billy some money and <laughs> she's like, I was going to get a new transmission for Betsy. Oh, oops. And it's just like, you know what? I, in my experience, when you've reached the point of buying a new transmission nine times out of ten, it's time to say goodbye. Yeah, you don't um, invest
1: in a car that is only worth 300 for trade-in. It's not a good investment anymore.
0: Right, I had, so I had a car and, like, uh, in college, and I did this a few times where, like, towards the end of my relationship with that car, I did invest, you know, like, $1,500 in this one big part, you know, and then another, and then eventually I was like, wait a minute, (laughs) this car is not even worth the amounts of money that I'm putting into keeping it running, and sure, like, buying a car feels really, like, hard right now, but what's the alternative? I keep putting whole chunks of $1,500 yeah. into it, you know, like, it just w- didn't make sense. Yeah,
1: I actually had to spend quite a bit repairing my Ford Escort, which is the same kind of car as Betsy, before we finally gave up and traded it in. And I, all I can say is I wish I did it sooner, because that was an experience. But Yeah, hmm.
0: exactly. I could have used all that money for down payments and, like... <laughs> The first couple of monthly payments yeah. on the car that i eventually bought so
1: hey you know what's um, awesome about this is that this actually segues perfectly into episode two or sorry episode nine because the very first part of the episode is billy seeing somebody with car trouble dun, dun, dun. Yes. so <laughs> so yeah this episode is called responsibly yours it's the ninth episode of season one of melrose sheltering in place um and billy's Driving his cab, who knows what number it is this time? It's been 54, it's been 46, who knows? Um, there is a sexy pair of legs bent over a car, having trouble, and he pulls over because you know uh, a good Samaritan. Um, and I was. It
0: sounds like a it sounds like a ZZ Top video. <laughs>
1: totally, like you you <laughs> expect that like as soon as they fix her car, she's gonna go have revenge on everybody who is mean to her at school or whatever. Um, Speaking of which, um, I should have probably tried to pitch this to a network 15 years ago. I thought a really good reality show would be called She's Got Legs with ZZ Top, where it would be like a a makeover show, like a lot of shows are. But then they would also go and have revenge as well. And, you know, they would get to ride in that iconic ZZ Top car, and ZZ Top would be there to make (laughs) funny jokes. I mean, what else is ZZ Top doing, right? Back to the Um, Future 3. was As far as
0: (laughs) I know, based on the recent... Documentary about them that I watched—they're just chilling. There's a documentary. Yeah, it's on Netflix. It's it's okay. Like it's definitely kind of a fluff piece. Like it's almost like a really long commercial for <laughs> CZ Top. It doesn't feel, but you do get a sense of the timeline of their history and stuff. That's cool. It's just that there's points where I'm like, I feel like this is just like. It's like if I got to direct the documentary of my own life, mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it would be a little bit fluffy. I don't know. Like, so... Or yeah. is it just... But it's on Netflix. Is it just because
1: they're boring and they haven't done anything bad?
0: <laughs> I don't think that it's that. I mean, they definitely... There was, like, a, some, a lot of drugs, well, which drugs aren't... Just for the record, drugs are not necessarily bad. Mm. But um, I do feel like some of the, <laughs> some portions were maybe yeah. glossed over a little well, bit. Well, I'm
1: definitely going to find that. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and so speaking of movies and things, I squealed when the um, Car Trouble Woman was revealed. It was Joyce Heiser from the iconic movie Just One of the Guys. I'm almost positive that nearly anybody within reach of my voice over maybe age 35 has seen that movie 50 times. They used to play it on cable constantly.
0: I don't think I've ever seen (laughs) it. Oh
1: my God, you have to see it
0: wait a minute how what's it about? because i mean if it was on cable back yeah. in the day like it's possible that i watched it a million times mm. and i don't remember that title
1: so it's about a journalism student and um you know it's the end of a school year i think she's probably a junior and uh her her teacher does not recommend her actually no it's not the end of the year skip that part her teacher does not recommend her for this uh internship at a newspaper and she thinks that it's because she's a woman and he's not taking her seriously. Um, So she decides to um, transfer schools and her name is Terry. So she cuts her hair off and dresses as a boy to go to a new school and pretend to be a boy there and see how seriously her writing is taken there um
0: this is definitely feeling familiar yeah i, I mean it is now that you're talking about it yes. iconic
1: 80s movie it's like up there with you know fast times at ridgemont high and all the john hughes stuff and summer school like it's it's a oh classic. my god summer School! <laughs> i was
0: thinking about that movie the other day because uh, um mark Harmon was in that movie yep. right yep. he's the teacher yeah and i saw him in a, like an ad for ncis or something stupid and i was like oh my god summer school hmm. I used to watch that movie all the time talk about a movie i've seen a thousand uh. times like i have seen that movie a <laughs> thousand times and i'm like should i watch it now and see how it works i don't well, know i'm curious
1: everybody listening and you should watch summer school again because i watched it about two months ago because it stars Courtney Thorne-Smith of Melrose Place. <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So, yeah, it was like required viewing for me when we were getting started on this little project. Um, so, yeah, um, and, you know, Joyce Heiser, um, if it were anybody else, I might call her affordable Sandra Bullock, but especially in this, in this appearance because she looks exactly like Sandra Bullock in this episode with that hair. But what I would say about her, I think is more nuanced. I think that she and Sandra Bullock probably had a very similar career trajectory for a while. And then S- Sandra Bullock just started getting all the parts that they probably both all tried out for. And, you know, she became a legend and Joyce Heiser kind of faded into obscurity. She's in Valley Girl and um, this is Spinal Tap, but you know, n- not a lot else. She's got some other stuff under her belt, but she's she's not the mega star that her uh starring role in just one of the guys could have launched her into but she's great
0: well <laughs> we're sad for you joy yeah but if you're out there listening and we love you i love you <laughs> <laughs> christopher loves you he got really excited when he saw you in this i episode. was like <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so yeah so billy pulls over to help legs with her car and he's not he doesn't know what he's doing he's like uh looking all under her hood at someone and he's like it looks like your what does he say like it looks like your um water is good and she's like that's that's good because you're looking at the oil or something you know like it's just very obvious that billy is like trying to quote you know help and has no clue what he's doing and is not being very helpful yeah and um and so she's like you know can you just take me to the nearest gas station or whatever yeah
1: and it's funny because when they pull up like he almost runs over a pedestrian uh (laughs) and uh (laughs) (laughs) You know, I have a feeling that pedestrian was not a paid extra or anything. I think it was probably just somebody walking along. Um, And, you know, she starts to look for money and he doesn't immediately say, oh, no, it's on me. Like he has to wait for her to just keep talking. Um, I guess it's because it's part of the plot. She has tickets. <laughs> this is just like with okay. Rhonda. <laughs>
0: so one of the things about this episode that I was noticing towards the end is that it has less of this kind of Melrose Place weirdness than a lot of other episodes mm. do. Where things just are so, like, random and almost feel, like, shoved in there. Um, but, yeah, on the way to the gas station, they have all this, like, you know, quote, witty banter or whatever, you know. And then... She goes to pay him in these, like, tickets to see her at the comedy club. And he's, like, and there's, like, a ton of them. And she's, like, "Um, I could really use, like, a fan in the audience. (laughs) It's, like, y'all just met, like, five minutes ago. He's just some douchebag that tried to help you fix your car badly and then drove you to the gas station and then... You hand in these tickets, and you're like, I could use a fan in the audience.
1: Well, as we've seen before, whenever a woman gets in Billy's cab, like she instantly falls <laughs> in love with him. So, yeah, I don't know. It
0: was so weird. <laughs> uh, I was like, what? Uh, and I was, I mean, I was actually glad she said fan because I thought she was going to say I could really use a friend in the audience, and I was going to have to be like, what? y'all yeah. like, don't even like know each other at all. It was so weird. Yeah,
1: super fast forward action. Um, so back over at Melrose Place, um, Dr. Michael is, um, doing some chores, but he's in a shirt and tie and, um, it, outside chores, yeah. he's doing garden, yeah. to be
0: specific. And Jake walks up and is like, <laughs> says something about those azaleas and they're not fucking azaleas.
1: <laughs> and it's funny cause you know that they, like the writers probably just like, grabbed like they went to a website about a list of flowers and azaleas was first or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so yeah, Jake or Dr. Mancini explains to Jake that he's taking Jane out. Um, she's had morning sickness for a week. Um, but now she's feeling a lot better and romantic AKA horny. Um, um, and then they start to have one of those Melrose Place conversations that's a little bit word salad That's just, it gets to Jake talking about how maybe he's missing out on something because he's never been good at relationships and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it was weird. It was very forced.
0: Yeah, it-
1: <laughs> yes um, <laughs> um so anyway the the point of that scene is to let you know that jake is starting to feel ro- lonely oh um anyway in another apartment i couldn't quite tell whose. um allison billy matt and Rhonda are making dinner oh sorry i <laughs> garrett's cleaning something and it's squeaking in the next room, but it sounded like a child, like laughing or oh. something. And I'm like, that sound <laughs> is not creepy. appropriate here. No. Uh, I feel like that's yeah.
0: Weird. I feel like they were in Allison and Billy's apartment. Mm. I don't know. Like it doesn't yeah. matter, but uh, that was where it seemed like they
1: yeah, were. Yeah. Although Rhonda was cooking cause she was making her spicy crawfish etouffee. Um, and Billy's going on and on and on and on about Don. Um, and he starts to join them for dinner and they're like, no, we all pitched in for the the stuff to make this dinner and you didn't. Um and so he da 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 the tickets the number one alternative currency in Melrose Place. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey y'all, let's all go see some randos do stand-up comedy. It's almost exactly the same yeah. as cash. Yeah.
1: You know, if they if they decide to reboot Melrose Place another time. Cause there is one reboot that lasted a season.
0: I was going to say, I think there is a reboot. Yeah.
1: If they try again, I think, um, they should have Billy again and he should work for today ticks <laughs> or he could be a Lyft driver anyway. Um, so, uh, <laughs> later on, uh, it's the open mic. Um, Dawn is on stage and I recognized the very first joke that she told as stolen material Um, I didn't make out, I didn't make a note of it, but I'm like, they they didn't, the writers did not write this. They stole this. Um, but you know, she, she goes on to do a lot more like battle of the sexes style comedy, of course, because that's all women get to do in comedy, right? Is talk about men. Men can talk about anything they want, but if a woman shows up, she has to talk about men.
0: I mean, I feel like that's actually... It actually goes both ways. Mm-hmm. Like, I've, I've watched a lot of stand-up comedy, especially from, like, <clears throat> like you know, this time period to, you know, the more middle period of this era, mm-hmm. you know. And even men do a lot of stand-up comedy about, like, ladies, right? They be shopping and you know, all <laughs> that kind of, like, really, uh, really just... Like, gender jokes are... They're perennial, and they're almost... And that's why, like, sometimes when people... It's like, yes, the jokes are offensive. They're also just offensive to me because they're fucking stale. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> the, like, you know, dudes, am I right? Like, this is not funny, you know, or whatever. So, I guess
1: this is yeah. why Jerry Seinfeld shot immediately to superstardom because he was just talking about other dumb stuff, which was
0: oh that guy gets (laughs) my (laughs) money
1: um so the um like billy is um super into dawn now like you know he's got the stars in his eyes and he's like allison wasn't that funny and he punches her in the tit and then (laughs) and then uh don comes to talk to them but she she's like i gotta get out of here because there's only one bus left and billy of course is going to take her home and take her out for pizza on the way home um and then allison is visibly jealous did you pick up on that i totally thought she was jealous
0: yeah i mean as usual in the dynamic of billy and allison it's really hard to tell (laughs) because like it's like I can't ever tell if it's actually happening, if they're just trying to make it happen and it's not, I don't know. Yeah. Like it, yeah, they're dynamic. It's hard to tell yeah. pretty much anytime they're trying to make it seem like there's a spot of romance there or something. Oh,
1: I guess I should say the very end of episode eight. Um, uh, Billy was watching horror movies and eating ice cream in the middle of the night, which is what he does when he can't sleep. And Allison came out and, uh, she joined him on the couch, but instead of s- sitting on a free section of this large couch, she wedged her way in the eight inches between him and the armrest. So I think that we were supposed to glean something from that too. Maybe. <laughs>
0: I mean, maybe, but, did, but they didn't have vibes. Yeah. They never have <laughs> vibes.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, I guess we'll see. Um, so over pizza, Don, starts telling um billy more about her life uh turns out she was married for eight years and her ex was not supportive of her comedy career but of course because billy is a writer he he gets it like he's super supportive and he he knows that she's great and you know she's got the world at her feet because she's so funny um and that's all we really cover there um Over at Shooter's, meanwhile, um, (laughs) uh, Lonesome Jake shows up because he wants to talk to Sandy about giving their relationship another shot.
0: (laughs) I mean, (laughs) uh, what is this scene? So, like, definitely in the last episode, we were definitely supposed to be picking up on this possibility. Yeah because um, he had stepped in when she was having all the trouble with her stalker and like she's been denied at his apartment after he punched the guy's lights out and they had a kind of a little moment mm. of why didn't we work kind of banter then and um, so we definitely I think we're supposed to see this possibly coming but why would you just go to somebody's like why would Jake just go to the place where Sandy is currently <laughs> waiting tables and give her this speech about how they should try to get, like wouldn't it make more sense to do it when they're both at home? Right.
1: They are neighbors.
0: Ask her, like ask her to go hang out and then say something. Yeah. it's weird. Like she, he basically like goes and just, it's like if it's like somebody running for president or something, <laughs> you know, uh, vote for me. I think we get along really well. I don't know. It was just so, it's just such a weird scene maybe he needed a show full of weird scenes. maybe he
1: needed like a glass of whiskey for his liquid courage or something first i don't know i don't
0: know <laughs> then he should have gone to a liquor store and <laughs> bought a bottle of whiskey yeah
1: or just <laughs> borrowed one from uh there's probably still a, a two-thirds of a bottle left from that time that um dr michael hit the bottle while um jane was out losing her wedding ring <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, over at Don's, um, Billy wants to come in, and Don says, no, that's not going to happen tonight. But he goes in for a kiss, and her door opens, and there's a kid there. Dun, dun, dun! <laughs> don has a kid his name is martin um
0: yeah the babysitter opens the door and is like i could hear your voice out here <laughs> which what babysitter would ever do that like wouldn't you just assume that she's having a conversation with somebody in the hall yeah and she'll be in in a second yeah geez it was so
1: weird yeah cock block city um although you know maybe um she was just really tired of martin i know i got tired <laughs> of him right away <laughs>
0: yeah the kid's kind of whiny yeah although
1: that was mostly directed toward billy which we'll get to but we'll see um anyway yeah this is a shocker um aside from uh jane and dr michael's that something has to happen with that pregnancy soon. Um, I just cannot be convinced that they're going to have that baby. But anyway, there hasn't been any talk of I kids. I was thinking about that too. <laughs> yeah,
0: like later in the episode, because it comes like this whole Martin storyline brings up also questions of whether Allison is going to one day have yeah. kids, which were super weird. And let's put a pin in that because Billy says something completely bananas later. <laughs> um, but jane is is like i thought i would never want to have kids either and now look at me i'm pregnant and so happy yeah. and i was like wow this pregnancy storyline is starting to get a little weird y'all. yeah
1: and i'm just convinced that you know now that we know there's a basement that she's going to fall down those basement stairs and have a miscarriage because or maybe it'll, the pregnancy storyline will last until the show gets good and she'll get shot or something but we'll see this is after the la riots right yeah um anyway um billy comes in this is the next morning now and um billy comes into the apartment um he's been out all night uh doing an overnight cab shift because he's feeling sorry for himself uh because of martin existing um and Allison sympathizes with Don in this conversation. And then this, you know, talking about it makes Billy realize that Don's got kind of a lot on her plate and that he's being kind of selfish for being like, damn, this kid's just in my way. Um, and I think that's really all that happened in that scene. Yeah. yeah. Um, over at Rhonda and Sandy's um, Sandy is getting ready to go have a friend date or whatever they think they're trying with Jake. Um, but Rhonda thinks it's a mistake and that there's no possible way anything between the two of them has changed or ever will. (laughs) Um, yeah, you could tell that she's just tired of hearing about Jake, um, and thinks no good can come of it.
0: That makes sense. I mean, I would be too. And also, I mean, I don't know. There's always a possibility that it could change and be different, but honestly, like I think Rhonda's kind of right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah.
1: Yeah. The the voice of reason and the um, the Gladys Kravitz of the apartment complex. <laughs> 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 um, so uh, let's see. Uh, over at Dawn's place, um, they are having dinner, um, which that that seems kind of fast for him to be having a dinner with, um, Don and Martin. Um, usually, I mean, I don't know what it's like in real life. I've never dated anyone with kids or anything, but on every TV show ever, um, parents who are dating always make new suitors wait a long time before meeting the kids because they want to make sure that there's like staying power in the relationship. Um, because kids need some stability um and i guess maybe since
0: yeah i mean it definitely feels like they are um not i mean cuz at this point billy and don haven't even spent enough time together to be that comfortable with each other really yeah they went I to mean, pizza they should still be in the sort of like flirty getting to know you phase um, so this does feel like a fast track. I mean, again, I don't know shit about having kids. I've also <laughs> never dated anybody who had kids. And also, you know, I mean, it's not like every parent just constantly makes these really thought out decisions. Yeah. Let's be real. Parents are human beings yeah. and they might be like, fuck it. Boyfriend can come over for dinner, two dates. Yeah. I mean, whatever, you know, like, and no judgment. I mean, like people just do what they do. But, um, but yeah, it did feel kind of. It feels like a lot of things in this show, which is we need for a plot for this episode. So this is the plot. Martin. Yeah. (laughs) Billy dates woman with kid, and we got to fast track that relationship so the kid is in the picture so that Billy can have feelings about the kid. Yeah, Like, that's how it feels.
1: Yeah. And I guess the the justification writing-wise is that since Martin opened the door and and saw Billy... The jig is up, right? (laughs) Like, She may as well just invite him to dinner. Um,
0: Yeah, but she could still maintain boundaries. I mean, I know that's boring and (laughs) it doesn't make for... Like, that's not a TV plot. (laughs) Having good boundaries is not a TV plot. In fact, it's the anti-TV plot. Um, But,
1: yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So, during this dinner, uh, Martin's trying to be, like, the cool mom's boyfriend and says... This is funny to me. He says that he can tell show Martin some soccer moves, which I guess is a nod to the fact that Andrew Shu is a professional soccer player. Um, but then Martin goes, I hate soccer. I'm in little league. <laughs> 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 um, and so, uh, Martin explains that the reason he's being a little shit is because, um, Don broke the deal. Um, which I thought I would remember more about, but she explains that she didn't. Um, <laughs> that that was bad note-taking on my part, but... I don't remember what the deal yeah, was. Well, anyway, um, so it turns out that um, another thing we learn is Don might have a paid permanent comedy club gig uh, in Ventura, and that's when Martin has a huge meltdown about his dad, and it's super awkward, um, but anyway, thankfully we go over to shooters now, um, because Sandy and Jake are hanging out there together on their date thing, which is, you know, so dumb because they are always at shooters and she works there. I mean, would you bring somebody to a date to the bar that you worked at? I I would want to go somewhere else unless it was like free drinks or something, but,
0: um, I don't know. I've done it at least once. I mean, it was more just like, we had gone to dinner and then we were getting ready to go to a dance club and there was like a lag period in between Mm. and the bar where I worked was close to the club Uh so we just like went there because it was easy um and I was friendly with all the staff obviously so it just felt like a really comfortable spot for me although it can feel I guess kind of awkward if you feel like folks are paying attention to you while you're on your date but I mean like adults really don't. <laughs> you know, that's not always a dynamic. Yeah. Um so I mean I've definitely kind of done it, but to just go to like to go to shooter I don't know, that is very odd. Yeah. They should I would imagine for one thing, I would imagine that Sandy would want to maybe spend, I don't know, five minutes somewhere else, <laughs> um, other than her job.
1: Yeah. What what if it got really busy and they asked her to jump in?
0: (laughs) Oh, that's the worst. Well, they never, they would never, in my experience, they would never just like call you onto the floor in that scenario. Mm -hmm. You're not dressed for it. You're not, I mean, none of those. Like, you can't just wait tables in any outfit um, or any shoes. But it's stressful. I have had the experience of sitting in the place where I worked and things start to get busy around me and then I'm stressed out because. I'm watching everything happen. I can't stop paying attention to it. And there's nothing I can really do to help, but I can see where help is needed. And so then it just ends up stressing me yeah, out.
1: That sounds absolutely terrible. Uh, so while they're there, Jake and Sandy talk about the, they went to a movie and it was bad, but they had a good time making fun of it together And they both start to realize that they've kind of underestimated themselves when it comes to how they are with each other. Like, they should be able to have more of a meaningful connection besides just sex. Um, And uh, they're seeing a whole new side to themselves. But it's obvious that they're also both getting very horny.
0: (laughs) But that's the thing about dating! This is the part of this, like, this arc... In this episode the thing that makes no sense to me is that like i mean christopher (laughs) have you ever had sex on a first date i have more than once the reason you're going on a date with this person isn't just because you like their personality that would just be friends hanging out you're on a date because you want to bone. you find this person physically attractive and you want to get to know them like This whole thing that people do where they're like, there's sex, and then there's these feelings, and there's all this, and da-da-da. I mean, it's just so, people make it all so very complicated. Like, of course they're having sexual feelings for each other. They're attracted to each other. That's the point of dating. Yeah. It doesn't make sense for them to get this upset about it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I, uh, when I was dating, I, I would not wait for sex because to me that should be something it's like deciding, like talking about having kids these are things that you should get out of the way right away because you know if if there's no sexual connection between two people or if one of them wants kids and the other doesn't there's really just no point in continuing and so I feel like going on dates for a long time and not doing those things is just a recipe for disappointment like it, you may as well learn the required stuff if that's going to work for you early on.
0: I mean, I just assume I have poor impulse control. <laughs> I don't even know that I had like that much of a philosophy behind it. I was just like, I don't have any shame in this and I want to do it. Yeah. And so here we are, you know, like, um, I did go through this phase where I decided to not have sex for a while until I was, like, maybe in a relationship because, you know, I was in my early 20s and I fell for the bullshit, like, maybe I'm not in a relationship because I keep having sex too early. And what I found out was that I just ended up not having sex for a really long time. (laughs) Like, it really doesn't – those things don't – they're like, life is really – I feel like more and more I am coming to realize how much, like – especially white USCN culture is built on this idea that if you just, if you continually adjust every single decision that you're making until you find the exact right decisions then you will somehow unlock the magic formula for things to go a good direction. Yeah. And that's just not how life works. I mean, people just fuck cause they got instincts, man. I don't know <laughs> what to tell you. Like, that shit's just like the strongest drive that we have other than trying to feed ourselves and keep our babies alive or something. Well, you know, know, that's
1: like another, like uh, this whole time I've been thinking about, you know, diets, like diets are terrible. And a lot of people find, um, that it was never worth it to go on one and they wasted all that time and possibly harmed themselves in the process and were miserable the whole time. And it's like, if you could have just never gone on a diet in the first place, you would have been much happier. <laughs>
0: exactly. Yeah. Try to control things less. That's my mind. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: and yeah, um, Melrose sheltering plate, sorry, Melrose sheltering in place is a pro fucking and pro food podcast. <laughs> we, <are. laughs> we love carnal delights. anyway, Uh,
0: (laughs) i am definitely um uh was a a hedonist for sure
1: so unfortunately the only bedroom action happening for billy is in martin's room he's gone in there to have like hey buddy what's wrong kind of talk which is so weird this is basically like a second date and he's already like Woody, hey, oh, I'm here to give you advice. Oh. And I hated it every minute yeah, of it.
0: I hated this, too. <laughs> I was like, because Martin goes, where's my mom? And he goes, she's around, and I'm like, where is she, though? Yeah. I don't know where is she... Like, Martin went to his room, and Don ran after him, and yet now, here we are, Billy's coming in, and Don <clears> is where? <throat> I don't even know, like, nothing even about the timeline of events makes sense physically to make <laughs> this happen. On top of the fact that, like, No, Billy would not be having a serious heart-to-heart with this little boy on this, like, first time they've ever hung out. Yeah, so
1: what happened was Martin ran to his room, and um, Dawn ran after him, but about three feet from his bedroom door, she was like, you know what? Screw this. Let's let Billy take care of it. (laughs) Um, And he he uses a Terminator comic book and a really bad Terminator 2 um, analogy to make Martin feel better. And it was dumb as hell. (sighs) But anyway, um, Jake and Sandy get back from their non-date date date at Melrose Place. And they agree that they had a really awesome time getting to know each other. And then they have a super awkward hug. And then they kiss. And then they go into Jake's place. And they get on the couch and start writhing around. Um, Sandy pumps the brakes for a minute. Um and because she's mad at Jake and she says sex is all we've got going for us isn't it? Um, and they still like they did it right. Yeah, I can't, <laughs> I can't remember if they did it or if she left. I you know.
0: <laughs> I can't. I think she left. Mm. I don't know. I think she left. Yeah. yeah. I think she stormed out. And again, this is like okay. Tell me how this makes sense, that you come to the conclusion that sex is all you have going for you when you just went to the movies Mm. and had a good laugh about how, oh look, we have, we do enjoy hanging out together, we went to the movies, we laughed at this movie, we are friendly, and now we want to fuck. I don't understand how you immediately just be like, obviously all we have going for us is sex. I mean, it just does not make sense to
1: me. Yeah, why judge like a five hour night by the last like 17 minutes, right? (laughs)
0: And I feel like almost like some of this is like Sandy, the way Sandy's playing this, like it feels as if maybe she's having some feelings about the way she thinks she is as a person. And then it's not really about the two of them, but it's about like her feelings about herself.
1: Well, she's probably reeling emotionally because of, um... Uh, the denim warrior stalker i forgot his name i'm not going to go back to the tab in the spreadsheet from the previous episode you know like she's probably you know a little bummed about dating and all that stuff although who knows it could have been months ago we don't know in melrose place yeah that's true we don't know time yeah time doesn't exist (laughs) Um, uh, so Billy gets home from being the reassuring boyfriend to find Allison in that damn robe again. <laughs> um, she drank too much coffee and so she's doing a crossword to try to mentally exhaust herself so that she can fall asleep. Um, Billy wants to borrow $300. Um, and Allison says, this is when she says that he's behind in apartment expenses, Um, I'm not sure what she means by that unless it's like cleaning supplies or whatever. Um, She is curious what the money is for and he lies and he says that he had an accident in his cab. And if he doesn't get the money, he'll lose his job. Um, And that's when she says Betsy needs a new transmission, but obviously we're going to be in big trouble if you don't have a job. So here's
0: $300. (laughs) I mean, would you give your transmission money? I, yeah, no.
1: What? Well, see what I would have done if I were her is I would have said, you can have, you can borrow $300, but I need a ride in your cab for free to and from work every day. And anytime I want to go to lunch, until you pay me back and until Betsy is fixed. Like I would I would have some serious conditions for this money, but right. <laughs> and see these are the little things that the writers could just throw in and it would be so much better. Um so over at Dawn's, um it's the next morning, I guess, um Billy brings Dawn the money to fix her car so that she can and they have to do this right away because the gig is in Ventura that night. And that's when it all starts kind of coming down on Dawn, that everything is going really fast. I would have thought it would have been last night when Billy was given Slugger in his bedroom some good advice. But now now she's getting there, I guess, because of the money. Um, but she takes it, and they do it. Um, and now over in that laundry basement um, at Melrose Place, um this is actually my favorite scene in a long time across a lot of episodes. This was a very well done scene where Jake is talking to Michael and Rhonda or Sandy is talking to Rhonda and they like cut it back and forth and it all just flows so perfectly. Like they're they're basically having the same complaints about each other and it was like masterfully edited and pretty well written. So credit where credit's due. They did one good scene.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations, Melrose Place!
1: Yeah, you did good. We're
0: nine episodes in, and we got a good. Scene.
1: Yeah, gold star. You <laughs> 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 put put that on your calendar. Um,
0: Things are really looking yeah. up
1: for Old Melrose Place. <laughs> um, so um, uh, Allison is at the apartment, and Billy shows up with Martin, um, which is super awkward because Martin is like, "Is this your your girlfriend? What? What's going on?" Um, the reason he's there is because, you know, Don has to get the car fixed and then go however far it is to Ventura, um, for the new gig, um, which I guess this is the, uh, the tryout for the gig. That's right. Um, so, you know, uh, Martin is just going to be with Jake or sorry, with Billy all day and, and Billy didn't tell Allison nope. and then Jay, that,
0: that Martin was coming over. And I think, you know, yet again, I mean, there's a lot of little things all through the episode that I think are supposed to show us that Billy is not a mature human, which, I mean, message received Melrose Place. I mean, I don't think anybody was thinking that Billy was some big-time adult human. But I think it's supposed to like really drive home that tension that he's not ready to be... Um responsibly yours yeah. to this little boy <laughs> and his mother. Nice. <laughs> well,
1: and especially because, you know, he just borrowed three hundred dollars from Allison and now he says, Let's go to Magic Mountain. Which
0: Yeah, under false pretenses yeah. he borrowed the money. Yeah. yeah. I did have this moment where I was like, wait a minute, whose whose money like going to taking it to an amusement park is expensive yeah. I mean like at one point they're even there and Billy and um, Martin is like oh I want this hat and <laughs> Billy's like okay yeah you know I don't know they didn't even act like it was even a problem yeah
1: I mean um, for those of you who have never been to a big West Coast amusement park like I don't even think you're getting in there for under45 dollars at the door. And then every snack is super expensive, and then every ride takes tickets, and then you have to pay for parking like that would be a like a two hundred and fifty dollar day probably like
0: yeah, yeah. You know. For sure. I mean, I've been to Six like, We have Six Flags here. And you don't pay for the rides individually once you're mm. in, but the cover charge is astronomical. And yeah, every, every snack, every drink, every souvenir, everything is expensive. Yeah.
1: Um, so I think the main reason that this scene had to happen was because... Um, Allison starts having a good time, which is unusual for Allison in the first place. But, so now she's like, maybe I would like to have kids. Cause, no, this no? is when
0: she tells Billy she never wants to have oh, kids. Oh, right. The maybe I do comes way right, later. Right, right, right. Yeah, you're um, correct. But this is, when, <laughs> cause this is when she says, this is when, you know, Billy, Billy, I think is kind of like, aren't you having a good time? Mm. And she's like... I don't want to have kids. And Billy says. Every woman does. All (laughs) women want to have kids. Which just. The gender politics on this show are obviously bananas. Reductive. But I was just. And Billy, you know, we talked about it last week about how we somehow managed to not even touch on the fact that. What did Billy say in the last episode that was so bananas? Well, oh, it was no, Jake. Lee, Jake. It was Jake who kept saying wrong gender every time anybody tried to talk to him about their feelings. Yeah. He'd be like, wrong gender, wrong gender. Yeah. So, I mean, this show is very stuck on these weird uh, roles. But when Billy said every woman wants to have kids, <laughs> I just... I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. What the fuck?
1: Yeah. Um, but... Um, so, and what Allison admits is that she doesn't think she could handle it, and that she doesn't think her parents handled it very well. So, you know, we get a little insight. Um, and speaking of parents, um, I think Billy probably could have borrowed three hundred dollars from his damn dad. But anyway, um, <laughs> we get back to Melrose Place, and guess what time it is? Pool time. <laughs> Pool time. <laughs> um so yeah billy and matt
0: get the ubiquitous yeah. required shot of everybody playing some game in the swimming
1: pool yeah billy and matt are in there and um the women are off to the side talking and um allison that's when allison tells um jane and Rhonda that she doesn't think she'll ever be ready for kids um and Rhonda agrees and that's when jane what you mentioned before when she says that she wasn't exactly ready, but now she's like, give me a baby. Rawr. Um, um, so later on in the apartment.
0: Yeah. And this whole idea that like, um, that women, I mean, I feel like even just this dynamic plays into this idea that all women ultimately do want kids. Because right. like, why can't Allison just not want kids? Her original reasoning at the amusement park was that she wanted to do all these other things. Yeah. And why can't they just have a character where that's okay? Yeah, You know?
1: It's, you know, I'm almost convinced now that at some point she'll get pregnant. That just has to be part of the show, <laughs> but we'll see. Uh, so later on, Martin is asleep and they're watching him, um, which I suppose we're supposed to think that's sweet, but I think it's creepy. Um, Dawn arrives. Her show went great. Um, the... Um, And she specifically says, I am done with open mics because I now have a permanent comedy gig. She's a resident comedian. She's arrived. Um, But she manages to mention that Billy made that all possible with the money that uh, he lent her. And Allison's eyes, like you can hear those Kill Bill sirens, like Like, um, Allison knows what's up and she's pissed, rightfully so. Um, so, you know, once Dawn is gone, she, um, tells Billy that he always jumps headfirst into relationships and that he's a child play acting as an adult. And he says he's going to pay her back. Um, and, and she says, well, you can't pay me back in full because I don't think I can ever trust you again, which I agree with. That's really shitty
0: i mean i think what he did was crappy but i don't know I, and this might just be like a but i, I mean she would people do crappy things <laughs> this whole like i'm never going to trust you again i don't know maybe try to have a conversation about it first <laughs> before being like i'm never going to trust you again i don't, I don't or know. maybe I just,
1: if your dumb car that you didn't trade in needs a transmission don't go lending three hundred dollars to somebody who has rich parents like
0: I mean, somebody did once tell me never, ever, ever lend money to people that you mm. will, that you can not, like, handle not getting back. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of the reasons why people are really, should think twice about lending money to, like lending money to their friends. Yeah. Now that's one thing. And that's why I almost always, I mean, honestly, I try to just give, like if I have it and I can give it, I just give it. I don't even really think about getting paid back because when you start thinking about getting paid back, man, everything gets fucked up. And I mean, sure, Billy <laughs> lied and that's shitty, but like, it's, I just think it's, I think it's like, why do people just jump automatically to, like, and I'm never going to forgive you for this? Like, I don't know. I, everyone fucks up. Have a conversation. Anyway, maybe that's not good TV, though, so yeah. whatever. And, <laughs> and, you know, maybe
1: they're trying to make us feel like her feelings about this are kind of elevated because of the sexual tension between them. <laughs> but they don't have any sexual tension. They have uh, no chemistry mm. like that. Um. So... Yeah, it's, it's tragic. Um, so Billy goes to Don's apartment. Um, I'm not exactly sure what the purpose of him being there at that time was, but um, when he gets there, he hears an argument inside, and he lets himself in. Um, Don's ex is there, and... Um, <laughs> Um, you know, of course, like, the worst possible thing is for Billy to show up, and so there he is. And they have a huge fight, and um, Don's ex says, does Marty get to watch when you guys are doing it?
0: <laughs> oh my god, that was the most bananas thing, especially because okay, so that happens, and then he leaves, and so based on the interaction, I would honestly think this guy is, like, an abuser. Yeah. Player, you know, or yeah, and then she admonishes billy for stepping in and ordering him to leave and then she's like and he was here giving me the money that he owed me and i'm like well then how did this escalate into this i again <laughs> the the mechanics of this do not make sense mm. at all like he literally said something to her that was so horrible and their kid was in the room it turns out or something yeah. you know cuz we look over and we see martin standing there and, like, and then she's, like, mad at Billy for making him leave. I don't know. It just didn't compute. Yeah.
1: And then Don gives him an ultimatum, um, basically saying, you're either not going to have a relationship with me at all, or you're going to be, like, super committed, and you're going to be the new dad around here. Um, there is no no time for us to develop this in a in a way that makes sense you're either doing it now or never um and so she gives him the $300 and sends him on his way because it's clearly never because (laughs) uh Billy is not there yet um back over at Melrose Place um Sandy comes downstairs in a really awesome top I I have to call out that top it was really nice (laughs) it was like um (laughs) tight across her boobs you know, low cut and also belly exposed, but with really long sleeves and the fabric night was cool. I just liked it a lot. Go look at it.
0: <laughs> long sleeve crop top feels very nice. Yeah,
1: for sure. Like you and you know the, those Y necklaces would look so great, just barely touching the top there. And you remember the Y necklaces from the nineties, right? Yes. <laughs> the official jewelry of the nineties. Um, <laughs> so anyway, she pounds on the Mancini's door. Um, She's mad because her closet door won't open. Uh, Dr. Mancini is not there, but um, Jake is once again working on his bike in the courtyard where he's not supposed to work on it. And he says, she says, basically, he's a man. Maybe he can help. Um, so they awkwardly go to her apartment, you know, because they wouldn't otherwise be talking right now because they're mad at each other. Um, and, you know, she really has to rub his face in it. She's like, I have to get into my closet because I have a hot date and I need an outfit, and he says, one more screw, and I'll have it locked in, but anyway, um, one of my favorite gags in movies and TV of all time is a doorknob coming off in someone's hand, and I was so happy that it happened here. Usually it happens trapping somebody in a room, and that's much more satisfying, but at least they did it here, and she still couldn't get her outfit, but
0: and she refers to them as her dressing clothes, which I was compl- I was like, what is this dialogue? Yeah. Like, she's like, I have to get to my dressing clothes. <laughs> what is that? Yeah. What are dressing clothes? I don't know.
1: It sounds like a religious thing almost. Ooh, <laughs> she's not a Mormon. She's. <laughs> um, so at least this. It, they agree with me. Doorknobs coming off is funny, it breaks the tension. You know, they have a, a nice little laugh, and then they admit that they are, well, they admit, they think <laughs> that they are a bust when it comes to romance, but they have a really solid friendship, which is great. And that's when Sandy admits that her hot date is actually with Rhonda, you know, so wah-wah. She, she was just trying to hurt his feelings. She's not really seeing anybody else. Um, so that's when Billy arrives. He has the money for Allison, and he says that he feels like his life has always been on cruise control and he's never had to learn how to deal with anything or take control of any situations because he's always been the one being taken care of. And that's why he really liked being with Don because Don needed him, which is why I don't understand why he left because Don gave him the option to stay and be super serious, but he wasn't going to do that. Um, but anyway, um, they they show her, um, final open mic, uh, at the club from before. And, uh, Don is doing a lot of material about guys who are into damsels in distress. And, um, you know, they, they pan over to Billy's face and he's just like, Oh man, that's me. Um, so after the show, Billy finds Don at the bar and he reassures her that he's not there to fix everything. He just wants to be with her. And she says that in the meantime, since they saw each other, she realized that she's not ready and she needs to make it on her own, which is another one of these dumb TV things. <laughs> um, everybody's always like, I'm not ready for a relationship right now. I have to work on me. And it's just like, yeah, What's going to happen? Like someday you're just going to be done as a person and then you can have love. Like that's not how it works, but she has to have her career and she has Martin and there's just no room for Billy. So, um, Billy wants to say goodbye to Martin, but, um, she says no. <laughs> uh, I mean, finally somebody draws a good downplay yeah.
0: in this show. It's bananas. Yeah.
1: And so he tells Don to tell Billy, de la vista, baby. Mm. Bad. Um, So to wrap this up with another weird word salad conversation, um, uh, he and Allison are talking, and I think it was he who learned that the Leaning Tower of Pisa is going to topple by the year 2200. And he's never seen it, but at least... Now that he's newly single, he does have the freedom to go see it if he wants to.
0: What the fuck? <laughs> it's so random. Yeah. And also, Billy, you won't even be... You got your whole life, buddy, because guess what? 2,200, you're not going to be alive. Yeah. It's 1992. Yeah. That's like a hundred and what? Like eight years away or something? Um, wait, that's I do 200, that right? 200. No, that's like 208 yeah. years away. Yeah. I, um, so yeah. I
1: mean, just cause each episode feels like 200 years does not mean <laughs> that he's going to live that long. <laughs> um, so yeah, all he, all he says is that, you know, this experience has made him really look forward to having a family. And then that's when Allison says, maybe I do want that. And then we're left to think, but with whom?
0: i mean i really i i know i i i don't even know that the writers are trying to push us in that direction <laughs> i don't know i mean i guess it feels like they would be but i just i don't get the vibe yeah. like at all mm. they're two brother sister i don't know yeah. i mean if they are trying to push us in that direction they're doing a really bad job of it cause i just don't get it for these two people like yeah. yeah, I guess I, don't feel it. I guess that's
1: something to look forward to, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> God. Um so do you have any other thoughts about this episode before I move on to a recommendation?
0: Um, it was one of the best episodes we've seen so mm-hmm. far. Not saying a lot, <laughs> but at least we didn't have to watch somebody shop for a car again yeah. or turn bungee jumping into some like self discovery <laughs> journey. Um, so at least, uh, at least, yeah, at least the B-plot of Sandy and Jake was kind of interesting and dramatic in and of itself and not just dumb filler. Yeah. Um, even though it, I don't understand their motivations, but, um, and yeah, I mean, the show is bad on gender. Um, I think that is definitely becoming extremely clear. Yeah,
1: yeah, that was really something. Um, I will say it was amazing to see Joyce Heiser. Cause I don't remember seeing her in anything other than just one of the guys before. Um, and as I said before, it's just one of the most important movies of the eighties. <laughs> like, so, you know, um, any any chance to see somebody from something legendary like that is super cool. So that is one of my official recommendations is 1985's Just One of the Guys. Um, but I have another one that um, somebody told me about on Twitter. My friend Tim um, said I should check out a show called The L.A. Complex, which is kind of a modern Melrose Placey thing from the year 2000. It's a... Uh, Uh, the year 2000 uh, oops sorry i meant to say and i meant say 2012 which is you know (laughs) the year that unfortunately the world did not end um (laughs) so so uh 2012 um the la complex is about a slightly larger apartment complex in la it does have a pool in the middle still it's full of you know actors and writers and stand-up comedians and you know hot people and stuff um but there's a twist most of the main characters are Canadian.
0: (laughs) Are Canadian?
1: (laughs) They're Canadians trying to make it in LA. (laughs) That's random. Yeah. um, It was like a Canadian produced uh, CW show. And so that's how that came about. And, you know, a lot of the people in it are stuff that you'll recognize, or people who are in stuff that you'll recognize as having been filmed in Canada. Like, um, my favorite Final Destination movie is Final Destination Three, and one of the actors from that is in it. And yeah, you
0: know. wait, so are they ca- like they're Canadian in the show? It's not just that they're like Canadian actors, right? They're like Canadian in the show. Yeah,
1: like you know, the one of the the first characters you meet on this show, um, she's just gotten kicked out of an apartment, and um, you know the owner is chasing her with a hockey stick and smashes out her back window and she barely gets away and she gets a call from her boyfriend back in bc like just come home already and then other people are like from montreal and halifax and shit
0: (laughs) weird um i mean there is this like running joke thing on the l word podcast about how it was all shot in vancouver and uh so they always refer to all the people in the background as canadian extras (laughs) Um, cause I guess that's a really common thing oh, yeah, for sure. is that LA show, like shows that are set in LA are actually filmed in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know.
1: Um, and what, this is one of those rare shows where, um, they have an official YouTube account and all of the episodes are there for free. Um, they only, they were like a mid season replacement. So they have like a half season for season one and then another season. So, you know, i watched the first episode and i liked it a lot um it's a lot grittier than melrose place like the first episode has uh drug use and plan b and you know um all kinds of stuff it's um it's kind of the show that you kind of wish you were watching when you watch melrose place but um yeah the la complex look for it on youtube
0: cool well, just so everybody knows, last week on the Lost episode, <laughs> I recommended that everybody jump on YouTube and watch. Somebody has uploaded every episode of It's a Living, and I've been watching it, and I didn't really watch the show when it was on. Obviously, I was kind of a little too young. And then I didn't – it was on in syndication when I was growing up, like one of those shows that was on all the time in syndication. Didn't really watch it then much um and now i've started watching it and i'm like oh my god i kind of love it's a living yeah, it's so it's a living it's on youtube and then the other thing oh my god so i am super excited because uh netflix has just released well two things one and an unsolved mysteries reboot mm-hmm. which i've watched the first three episodes and so great. Hmm. Love it. Love Unsolved Mysteries. Love the original. That theme song just automatically makes me feel like um, I'm going to get abducted (laughs) by a serial killer or something. Um, And then, so Unsolved Mysteries reboot on Netflix, and then also uh, (laughs) Babysitter's Club. (laughs) Um, And there was, I mean, I guess you could call it a reboot because there was a Babysitter's Club uh, series that was done in, I want to say like the early... Maybe the mid-90s, like the mid-90s-ish, um, that I had on VHS. I had oh, all nice. of them on VHS yeah. when I was younger because I was a big... Ba- I was a little too old at that point for Babysitter's Club, but I had been such a fan of the books growing up you had to watch. that I was into it anyway. And I kind of feel like, again, I feel like I'm a little too... Oh, my God. Talk speak about talk about being old. So Alicia Silverstone plays Chrissy's mom. Wow. And I'm sitting here like... Holy fuck. I remember when she was fucking a high school student in Clueless mm-hmm. and was the girl in the fucking Aerosmith videos. And now she's Christy's mom on Babysitter's Club. <laughs> I feel so old. And then the other thing they... <laughs> so in the original series... They have their club meetings at Claudia's house cuz Claudia is the one w- who has her own personal phone line in her room. Remember that? Like when that was a big oh, deal. Oh yeah, for sure. Um to have your own separate phone number from your parents' phone number in your room. I never got to have that. So that was like a big deal. I mean, it was a big deal to me when I got to have a phone in my room, <laughs> but it was still on the family phone line. So they had their meetings in Claudia's uh house because she had her own personal phone number. And so obviously, it's 2020, like everyone has, uh, you know, smartphones or whatever. So, but I guess to make the conceit work, they still needed it to be like a dedicated landline. So there's this whole thing about, like, oh, it's an old timey phone. (laughs) It's a landline. And then, and then I guess, I guess, I guess I kind of missed it a little bit, but Claudia's, they're still in Claudia's house and she ends up, she has a landline. And she pulls out the phone that they're going to use. And it's one of those, do you remember those, uh, those phones, they were see-through acrylic and you could see all the little parts inside and they were colored, you know, 90s colors. So like mauve and yellow and turquoise. Um, I had that phone. That's the kind of phone she has. She bought it on Etsy. She bought it on Etsy and Christy's like this does this phone even work it's like 25 years old and claudia goes it's iconic and i was like oh my god i'm like watching my whole childhood and i almost feel like maybe some of this stuff is also a nod to those of us mm-hmm. who are from that time period who read those books contemporaneously and like you know we're into them in that time period, um, uh, so
1: yeah. Not only did I have that phone, but I want that phone as a tattoo. And I saw an article today about that phone. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm all over that phone. <laughs>
0: I mean, yeah. Like my friend Lloyd and I were messaging last night as I was watching it. And I was like, Oh my God, remember those phones? And mm-hmm. he was like, yeah, I would love to have that phone again. Um, so yeah, maybe you can find it on Etsy. <laughs> I mean, it's iconic according to Claudia. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Babysitter's club. Um, it's fun, but it makes me feel so
1: old. I'm glad you mentioned last week's recommendations. Cause I had one last week that I don't want to get lost in the shuffle. Um, this, there's a movie called Lisa from 1989 starring uh, Stacey Keenan from My Two Dads and uh, Cheryl Ladd plays her mom. And uh, it's another one of my favorite movies of the era. Um, it's not quite the classic that Just One of the Guys is, but it has not been available to stream for years. Uh, I think the last time I saw it was like a Netflix DVD rental and they don't even have it. But the free streaming service Tubi has it, so you can see this now. Um, the plot is a 14 year old girl named Lisa, she and her friend are obsessed with men. They like to take pictures of men in the street and make scrapbooks about them and pretend that they're like their future boyfriends and whatever. Um, the twist is, uh, they find a new Mark and they, they take his picture and they start doing their normal stuff but it turns out that he's a serial killer (laughs) and,